Hi there, and welcome to episode three of the ADHD Adult UK podcast series. As always, I'm joined by spherical-faced dotard, Alex Connor. Aight! I mean, is it is it ever going to get better than this at the start of a podcast? You've got to grab people early and instantly people have stopped listening. But anyway, we'll move on. Obviously, we are the co-founders of ADHD Adult UK, um, which is a, an online support group for all your adult ADHD needs. Our podcast, as usual, are a tragedy in three parts. We normally choose a theme and you can see if you're watching what the theme is. We will explain it to those that are listening in a little bit. Last week, we talked about um, drugs to be used for ADHD. Before that, we talked about diagnosis. This week, we're going to talk about rejection-sensitive dysphoria. So if you stop listening now, that would be really ironic. Is it rejection-sensitivity <laughs> dysphoria, though, like rejection, I said in the trailer? Yes, you said and wrote in the notes as well. <laughs> so I'm not that I want to give you rejection-sensitive dysphoria, but you clearly don't know much about ADHD, do you? I think, I think um, the amazing bit, James, is that we have notes for this. I know, I know. Who, who would ever believe that there are notes and that actually we prepare in any way whatsoever? Um, anyway, back to those notes. Um, the three parts of our podcasts um, are based around what we call evidence-based psychoeducation. So first of all, that is giving you information about the disorder so you can better understand why you do the things that you do. And that can help you emotionally accept your ADHD. Um, we also then talk about personal reflections, our experiences, and this week we'll be sharing some hilarious and embarrassing uh, personal stories of rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Um, and then we'll finish off with some top tips um, that we've been given or that we find work for us. So, to kick us off, Alex, what the fuck is rejection-sensitive dysphoria? RSD, James. Yes, Alex. Uh, well, in a nutshell, RSD is is... It's emotional sunburn. If you slap somebody on the back who hasn't got sunburn, they, you know, a little slap's not a big deal. Slap somebody on the back with sunburn and the same the same pain absolute, or the same force absolutely kills. And we, we think about RSD, rejection-sensitive dysphoria, as a form of emotional sunburn. ADHD people, almost to a human, feel... The emotions of rejection far more intensely and unpleasantly and strongly than your average person. This is oversensitivity to rejection or, importantly, to perceived rejection. So you, your kind of your formative years where every female that ever saw you rejected, you must have been a really difficult time, I guess. But, you know, I mean, it hasn't gone away, I'll be honest, although it's now just... He's now just one person I'm married to repeatedly. Listen, I have to. Obviously, I know Alex very well, and I know his, his wife and children, and, and they're amazing. And, and clearly, that just leads to the question who, who the father actually is. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and we shouldn't joke about these things, but we do to pick it up. No. But no, no, no. no just, another, yeah. just another toxic dig, dig from James. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so the thing is, the thing, the important thing is about... RSD is that it isn't actually one of the diagnostic criteria that doctors would say, oh, okay, you have that, you have ADHD. It's a huge driver. The criteria are around, obviously, impulsivity, inattention, and hyperactivity, which we talk about a lot. But almost everybody with adult ADHD reports 
fairly extreme rejection sensitivity dysphoria to a point where it may it may be included in the diagnostic criteria in the future. I just did this with my hand going forward. Just, I, th I think that's interesting to to point out that obviously, as an adult with ADHD, our diagnostic process is entirely subjective. It's you saying to a psychiatrist, "These are the things that I do," and then you know, hopefully believing you when they when they get to that consultation. There's obviously you can provide some evidence in terms of school reports that said Alex was dead thick when he was a child, etc. Uh -huh. Yeah, correct. But but <clears throat> it's interesting that something that is also completely subjective and yet you know universal in adhd isn't yet part of those diagnostic uh, procedures I, I, you know i hate to defend anyone at all because i hate everyone you at the top especially of the especially me yeah especially you yeah but the the re the reason why is actually scientifically valued i mean is it isn't a bad reason actually which is it isn't think about growing up with adhd as you did james and i did the 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 behaviors we that are manifest lead to a lot of negative thoughts self-loathing and reactions from people why are you like that calm down don't do that don't be like that be you know and we we, we grow up feeling like that and it isn't actually psychologically clear if rejection sensitive dysphoria is biological phenomenon based on having adhd as a neurodevelopmental disorder or a sort of learned traumatic response to growing up with the behaviors associated with adhd in a culture where you know, I'm boring myself, but in a culture where it's not really appropriate to behave the way we behave. So it seems that it's so rife that it's probably. I'm going to ask a, a stupid question, which as anybody that's ever met me knows is probably 70 percent of the questions I ask. Does that matter? <laughs> Does that really matter if it's something that everybody, almost everybody with ADHD has and therefore it's something that can help you identify an adult with ADHD? Does it matter if it's if it's a biological manifestation of the way in which our brains are neurodivergent or <clears throat> a, a kind of learned trait because of that, in your opinion? It's a really good question. I mean, not really if it's everyone, it doesn't. Yeah. And actually, this data that it's, you know, pretty much everyone is fairly recent. It's certainly coming out after the last diagnostic manual, the DSM-5 yeah. in 2010 or whenever it was. But at the same time, what we also have to do is make diagno diagnosis uh, regardless of culture and so if your cultural background is one where you weren't put into a position and actually I, I got that a little bit I was brought up in an environment where it was kind of appropriate to to to, to act out I was brought up by hippies essentially love you mum and so you, so <laughs> I know I know, right? Where Ad, where Adam Peaty comes from, James? We've talked about this. We, we, yeah, we know we we have. There's there's literally no there's, there's no you left there before he was born, Alex. There's no link between you and Adam Peaty. Explain my web toes, then, James. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. Carry on, mate. So yeah, it it. it what you don't want to do is misdiagnose people because they have been brought up in a culture where that didn't happen. But it, it looks like that's going to be changed anyway at some point. So that that's, in a nutshell, the concept of rejection-sensitive dysphoria, that you are too sensitive to rejection. And here's really, really important. I've said it already once, but I'll say it again. Perceived rejection, this idea that maybe you are walking the dog or walking around, and in your head you're thinking... If they criticise me for this, I would respond with this. I would defend myself. I will say, no, no, I am, that's not me. And and to a point where it's disabling, I have this myself. And I, I have to remind myself that I, 
they haven't said that. They're probably not even thinking it. And that isn't appropriate. That is an inappropriate emotional reaction. Very true. Well, we'll go into a little bit more detail in, in section two about our personal experiences of, of when that happens. I just wanted to quickly ask a little bit about what kind of impact RSD can have on the life of an adult with ADHD. How do people generally tend to respond if they've got ADHD? Well, that's it. Exactly, James. That's that's one reason and another of the million reasons why ADHD is tricky to generalise is because of how we respond to the biology and the behaviours of ADHD depends on our choices, our personality, our upbringing, all sorts of things. And we joke, don't we, James, that people with RSD, some, some of them decide that they'll never allow themselves to be rejected by never being in the wrong, by being little Mr. Perfect or little Miss Perfect and being, as we call them, a people pleaser. Other people have the exact same feeling, I'm not going to allow myself to be rejected, by never engaging, by being, as you call me, James, a high-functioning psychopath. Someone well, that I... No, 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 I <laughs> Sorry, can I just cut across you there, Alex? I call you a psychopath, not a high-functioning psychopath. <laughs> I, I only heard high-functioning. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so, so it's not literally psychopath, everybody. We use these jokes. We know we're not supposed yeah. to. So, so do you disengage or do you people please? Either way, if it's a response to the fear of rejection because the pain it induces is so strong, then it's essentially... Yeah. A response to the exact same thing that comes across poles, poles apart and very, very different. It can be devastating to people in their relationships, in their jobs, if they're perceiving their partner or their employer or their educator is is going to reject them or say no to them. And that's not true. Then their 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 preempting of that can be really damaging. It can. So I think you've actually collected together then nicely a lot of the symptoms of RSD as as was written in the recent article on, on Focus Mag UK, which is a, an online magazine for adults with ADHD, um, where it lists the chronic, the symptoms of RSD as being a chronic fear of rejection, obsessively thinking about negative experiences, experiences especially those um, of perceived or actual rejection misperceiving constructive criticism, which I think is interesting, and I definitely do that, or neutral feedback as rejection. Obviously, you never get neutral feedback. It's always just negative, isn't it? Um, perceiving rejection when it's not actually occurred, viewing minor rejections as being catastrophic, and that goes back to that catastrophizing, which I think we've talked about before. And then finally, that either perfectionism or people-pleasing tendencies. So if any of those things you recognize if you're listening to this podcast there's a strong possibility, <clears throat> anyway, if you've got ADHD, that you do have RSD. But if those types of behaviours strike a chord with you, then it suggests that alongside your ADHD, you probably also have rejection-sensitive dysphoria. It's worth mentioning, isn't it, that once again, yes, we know that ADHD traits are extremes of a mental continuum. And, and yes, everybody doesn't know who likes rejection. You, everybody could argue that. But what what is observed in the literature and the evidence in the science, but also anecdotally by all of us is that when it's affecting you every day in many many ways to a point where it is disabling and and destabilizing then then it might be it might be real okay so that was in a nutshell some of the evidence around rejection sensitive dysphoria rsd being Possibly a, a future criteria for for diagnosis of, of adult ADHD. 
Moving on, James, this is the bit of our podcast where we talk about our personal reflections. RSD is big in both of our lives. Go on, yeah. you must have something to share here. I've Go got, on. I've got, <clears throat> no, I've got loads. So for years, I, I thought it was um, imposter syndrome. For years, I just thought that I was a bit useless and that everyone thought I was rubbish and that I internalised all of this. Uh, you're nodding as if maybe that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I do think all of those things, but... That was a fucking subtle dick at me, Alex. I've got to admit, that was brilliant. Um, but for years, uh, years, and it's still tied into self-loathing, but I didn't really understand RSD until I got a senior role at the university I work at and a, a WhatsApp group was set up for this senior group of, of you know eminent professors and me and um, just after my diagnosis um, or just before my diagnosis rather I uh, I was given the role of associate dean which is you wouldn't believe it because I'm, I'm not a functional human being it's, it's a semi-important no. role exactly um, and that's abbreviated to AD. So I made a joke on the WhatsApp group, which wasn't funny, but I thought was fucking hilarious, which was when someone said, oh, I'm the AD something, I said, well, I'm the AD ADHD. And I laughed internally. And of course, because I just disclosed in that joke, in inverted commas, that I had ADHD, nobody responded. And then somebody about 20 minutes later <clears throat> mistyped something and said, whoops, sausage fingers. And everybody replied with crying, laughing emojis. And I was so hurt at the fact that people laughed at whoops, sausage fingers, and not I'm an ADHD, that my wife had to talk me out of quitting my job. I, that was, I was going to leave the WhatsApp group, and that wasn't enough. It was, and you know what? I can't work with these people anymore. I've got, I've got to leave. I've got to do something else. That's how, and that, that is not a rational response. I was in so much mental pain from, from that, so much rejection, so much awful self-loathing that I wanted to quit the only job I could ever possibly do because I'm practically useless at everything else. <laughs> Sorry, sausage fingers. Oh, thanks. thanks for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> that clearly, clearly on its own, sausage fingers is, you know, imperative. Objectively not, funny. Obje objectively funny sausage fingers, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that that's my main story of RSE. There are loads of little stories, but just in the interest of time and, and the interest of embarrassing you, I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about your experiences of rejection sensitivity. I have them every day. I, I I walk the dog every day, and I think if they if that person sometimes not even a real person criticised me for this thing that hasn't happened, I would defend myself. It's absolute insanity. I, I I just it isn't actually going to happen. Perceived RSD is a huge part of my of my disability. I know, and and even worse than that is real RSD. So I have such strong rejection sensitivity that I. I'm borderline sociopathic. I've put myself in a position where I am not allowed. People cannot criticise me because I will not. I simply won't allow it. I qualified as a non-directive coach years and years ago because I wanted to learn how to do non-directive management. And the main reason was because the only way I can run my world, my own life, is non-directively. And so now I non-directively coach other people. It turns out that's the basis of ADHD coaching, which has been blooming helpful professionally. Is that, is that just because if you actually try and direct somebody to do something, they tell you to fuck off? <laughs> and they'd be correct. Yes. A bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I will only push open doors. I, I will give people an option and a choice. And their choice to, to do that thing is, is theirs. I don't emotionally engage. I kind of emotionally disengage from almost anything because I'm, it, it bloody hurts more than it should. It's stupid and I hate it. And so can I, you. Can I 
yeah, no, I, thank you. Can I ask a question? Which I, this fascinates me because obviously anybody anybody that's listened to these podcasts, all thirty odd of you, um, yeah. will so far have picked up the fact that we um, gently rib each other. And it's to be fair, I take the piss out of you more than you do I. You know that's a joke. Well, actually, it's not a joke. You know, it's kind of a semi joke most of the time, yeah. isn't it? It's 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 deeply embedded in the truism that is you. But equally, there's a lot of humour based around those jokes. But you you don't get RSD when I call you a twat or a spherical headed ludicrous buffoon. So how can how can you how do you think you neurologically tell the difference between ah is it because you you trust me and know me and you know that's a joke, or is it just because you you've got a sense of humour and you can tell when someone's joking? It's because we're a pattern spotting machine neurologically, James. At the front of the brain is the thing that spots patterns. I hate to use an old cliche, but you you know, when we were cavemen coming out of the, the cave and, and you can see all the reeds in, in the in the in the in the and the grass. And if that pattern every day that's the pattern, oh yeah, it's just the grass. If that pattern was broken by, you know, saber toothed tiger or something, I don't know, I'm losing my mind. It would immediately break the pattern at the front of our brain. It triggers the fight or flight response, anger or fear or aggression, and we run off. Because of our trust and, and, and friendship over years and years, my pattern in communication with you is one that doesn't break a pattern of fight or flight. So it's a, a different part of the brain. So when we're having these conversations and you're, if you rejected me about something that I, I thought it was real or meant... Oh my God! It would be horrible. Because I mean, we but, do have our we do have RSC with each other. So I we have like six different WhatsApp channels where we deal with the various ADHD things that we do. And if I message Alex at six in the morning because I get up very early, he won't respond till after nine. And I start to think I've pissed him off. And then it took Alex explaining to me what his morning process is because he's got <laughs> sixteen thousand children. Yeah. Um, and, dogs, has, and, a, and a dog and dogs and cats um and and has to deal with all of those things and as that's what made me realize that actually i probably haven't pissed him off and in fact i don't think i've ever really pissed you off um today only a couple of times only a couple of times yeah um but, but yeah but no i would get rsd thinking oh god have i upset him and and the, that's not even you rejecting me that's that's feeling the perceived rejection because i've hurt you and then it, it would set me up full of anxiety for the day so we do even between each other occasionally and you have said in the past when you've written something for one of our various um uh, that's the trigger for me that's the trigger when, when we write for adhd sorry when we write for focus on adhd <laughs> when we write for focus on adhd uk the magazine we which you can get it on the internet, by the way, James. You probably know the URL for that. <laughs> just, go, just, just, just go to focusmag.uk. Forget the, the name because Alex is never going to be able to remember anything that's more than three words on the trot. No, focusmag.uk. We are doing an episode on working memory, so watch this space if we remember. Yeah. So when I write for that, and I, I, for example, when I edit some of the stuff that you write, I have terrible RSD that you hate me for it. You think I'm arrogant. You think I've made terrible mistakes. And you always go, that's fine. On we go. Not even a thought. Or, it's weird. Or, or I don't care. You'll say, what do you, you'll put a comment in yeah. that says, well, what do you think about saying this? And I'll say, I don't care. Because yeah, normally it's, it's right yeah. and it's fine. And, you know, it, it's okay. But you're right that, that we do even between us have that RSD. Just to, <clears throat> one of the things you talked about, I think, because I've already forgotten, and we will do an episode on working memory in the future you talked about those those um invisible relation uh, sorry conversations in your head that you have before an event yeah that's something that um from not my personal experience but my wife she does as well so sam who's waiting for a diagnosis um will lie awake all night 
having conversations with her boss because she's absolutely sure he's going to sack her. So she'll go through every possible conversation from when he walks through the door through, why haven't you done this job and why haven't you done that? And of course he walks in the morning and says, hiya, and goes into his office and walks past her. But she will spend the entire night awake going through every possible uh, conversation that could happen. So she's got a response prepared for whatever he says. Is that RSD? I think it is. I think it's the the it's perceived RSD or it's RSD because of perceived rejection. I have the exact same thing, and a lot of us do. In fact, there's a lot of um, people struggling in relationships because the the rejection they're expecting from their partner leads to preempting an, a, a negative behaviour when actually they weren't going to get that rejection anyway. And even if they did, it would just it, that's okay. But so yeah, it can be incredibly damaging. What you've just described with 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 your wife is something I face really really we're talking weekly this isn't With like a <laughs> yeah it used to be strongly but i'm getting on a bit actually as a as a as a as an anecdote you and sam have rsd about each other sam's my wife's name and you both kind of think the other one doesn't like each other and, and it's, it's it's not tr- it's just not true you both really like each other but you've both got this this weird kind of R, I think RSD based approach to what the other one says and, and inferring things into that. I think I've got this natural aura of of of, of like a protecting myself yeah. from people a little bit, and that and that is because of RSD, and I know it is. So it's interesting that that's that's a protective mechanism you can develop. We'll we'll move on in the final section to talk about some top tips. Um, um, and there's not a lot of evidence for things that can help, but we'll certainly do our best to give you some tools to try and help you if you've got RSD. Right. Welcome back to ADHD Addict UK, episode three of our podcast, where we're talking about rejection sensitivity. No, rejection sensitive dysphoria. Who's got that wrong? We've, uh, we were just discussing some of our personal reflections and that- Actually, because we both have started to manage this a little bit, we thought we'd give you top tips that we've learned, hopefully evidence-based, on what to do about it. James, have you got anything? What do you do about RSD? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really good question because my natural response, as we've covered in uh, section two of the podcast, is run away! Um, which <laughs> yeah. which isn't, is neither evidence-based nor practical. But actually, this week, something happened. And for the first time, what I did... I used to have this ability years ago was to be able to genuinely compartmentalize and rationalize things that happen in my life. And it led to me being able to deal with incredibly um, intense personal issues, almost psychopathically, like I could step out of the situation and say, well, this is what needs to be done. That's the best course of action. And I've never attempted or approached RSD with that, but I did this week. So I was giving a, a guest lecture at a university, which was online. And at the break in between two lectures, the students that were attending didn't mute themselves. And as I went downstairs to make a cup of tea with my AirPods in, I heard them saying, well, God, he goes too fast. It's bloody ridiculous. I haven't got time to make any notes. This is just too much. And that would have destroyed me a few months ago. I would just thought, oh, my God, that's like instant negative. I tend to think I'm a good teacher. I mean, some people like the, the teaching they do at university. But anyway, I had a quick think, and I thought, listen, they are having a learning experience and it's not working for them. So rather than just passive aggressively start the second lecture, say, well, I'll take a bit more time uh, for this lecture. <laughs> I just said, I said, listen, guys, full disclosure, um, you, you weren't muted. I heard what you said. Um, but listen, how can we work this out? If I'm going a little bit too fast, please tell me to stop. And at the end of each slide, I'll say, are you OK for me to move on now? And it all worked fine. 
And I ended up with a little bit of anxiety, but not that kind of physical pain of, oh, God, people think I'm rubbish at my job. So if you can, and it's really difficult, try and step back and rationalize the situation. Is it serious? Is it dangerous? Is it likely to happen? And then try and compartmentalize it. Put it in a box and say, I can deal with that later. Alex, what about yourself? Any top tips? That, that what you've said really is perfect advice if you can it's so so hard to do if it's perceived rsd so i'm walking on them starting to get like in this sort of cycle of oh if they say that i actually again step back and i say there isn't anyone in this conversation but you you're, you're assuming people are going to say something it isn't healthy so what can you think about that's positive that's going to happen today so that's something i try and do if it works for you then great i know it doesn't work for everyone else if it's if it's real RSD, if I'm actually feeling it because I have been rejected or comments come, especially if it isn't, if it isn't that big, but it feels like the end of the world. Now, I will never miss an uh, like an opportunity to become like an, a Los Angeles hippie, but I, I literally, James, say out loud to myself, I'm having an inappropriate emotional reaction. Like, uh, out please, loud. Please, I tell me, please tell me you use that voice. Please tell me you use that <laughs> voice when you say it. <laughs> I don't, I don't use that voice now. I use, I use my normal, charming voice. I'm, I'm having a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm having an inappropriate emotional reaction. But I do. I say, it, and, and actually, recently with a couple of people I really trust, not you, don't hate you. A couple of people, I, I say it to them, and and it was, it's been surprisingly disarming because people think that I'm trying to gaslight them by being angry because clearly they haven't said anything that bad, and I'm distraught. If it's inappropriate, then yeah. so be it. Shall we? What's your recommendation for a product to help with adult ADHD UK? Remember, we're not paid by anyone. What, what no, have you we're been not, we're not. using or want, thinking about this week? If you want to pay us, you know, we'd like some money, but obviously, <laughs> no, that's that, that's a joke. We do, we do this um, out of the kindness of our hearts and because um, it's more interesting than our day jobs. So um, there's lots of different products and services out there that can help you with your ADHD. I'm going to talk very quickly about using an app which can regulate or manage your to-do list. So um, there are lots of these available. The one that I use is called Todoist. Um, there's actually a list of resources on our website, including apps that can help you. The reason I use Todoist is it links to other apps I use, which things like Evernote that I record my all my activities in. But Todoist sends me a daily email saying, here's the six things you need to do today. And that means for me, and my, one of my biggest problems is actually working out what I need to do. And then I get a lot of anxiety if I don't do the things I need to do, having an email every morning that says, Dear James, here's the six tasks you've got to do today. I find massively helpful in terms of coordinating my work life. So that's our tip for this week. There's an app called Todoist, but there are many more apps out there. But find a way of building a to-do list. And just as an add-on, one of the things we recommend when we coach is also try and have a done list. Now, if the, your app allows you to tick things off, then visually that's great. If you're using pen and paper, also write down the things that you've done. Because often we worry about what we've not achieved and not what we have achieved. Thank you, James. Right, that was episode three of our ADHD Adult UK podcast, where we focused on rejection, sensitive dysphoria, or RSD. Um, 
if you want to get in touch, we are on all the socials, Instagram and Twitter and so on, at ADHD Adult UK. If you want to recommend an episode, we'll discuss things. I think the next one might be Working Memory. Is that right, James? Episode four, unless we get our special guest. Fingers crossed we do have a special guest. Line. We have more than one special guest lined up, so fingers crossed we will have some special guests alongside the normal tittle, tattoo and crap that we talk about. Excellent. So please get in touch. If you want to read some of the magazine stuff, it's focusmag.uk. If you want to get in touch on the socials, it's ADHD Adult UK. We love the comms, so please say hello. Right. See you next time, James. Thanks all. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.